today on the Word Preacher Podcast. The Seven Deadly Sins, How and Why to Shut Up, and Vanity and Vexation. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Word Preacher Podcast. Right, our Come Follow Me curriculum for this coming week will bring us to the books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Um, there uh, is a, before we get into that, there is a, a famous concept that was made famous by Dante's Divine Comedy. Uh, it's the idea of seven deadly sins. And you've seen this in, in media and popular entertainment in many places in creative and entertaining ways. But they list the seven deadly sins as follows. Pride, lust, wrath, greed, envy, gluttony, and sloth. Uh, maybe not in that order, but those are them, the seven deadly sins. Now, this isn't a bad list. This is actually something that people can kind of relate to. Um, it, it really helps us understand the motivations that a lot of people have when they commit acts that are immoral. Um, and Jesus spent a good amount of time in the Sermon on the Mount discussing how important getting the right motivations is in addition to just keeping the law. We shouldn't be prideful. We shouldn't think that we're better than others. God be merciful to me, a sinner. When you think about lust, he that looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. Wrath, the the famous words about anger, uh, that he that is angry with his brother is in danger of the judgment. Uh, greed, um, uh, certainly the, that concept was the cause, uh, or at least partly the cause, that Judas Iscariot had for selling out Christ for a bit of silver, envy, that uh, the parable of the, the laborers who came at different times, or the prodigal son who had a, a brother who had been righteous but was envious of the brother who received good treatment after he came back. Uh, gluttony. Now, that's one you don't see as much, but there is evidence of needing to be uh, uh, modest. Certainly when Jesus asked the young ruler to sell all that he possessed and follow him, this was like maybe you could live a little less uh, well in exchange for seeking first the kingdom of heaven before you seek other things. And of course, sloth. He was, uh, even to his own apostles, told them, Lovest thou me more than these? Talking about the fish. And, uh, and his counsel to Peter was, Feed my sheep. To go to every nation to preach his gospel. So there's a lot of truth based in this list. Now, 
In spite of that, this list is not found in the Bible. Some people think, oh yeah, seven deadly sins, that's in the Bible. Uh, it's not, but there is a list of seven abominations that the Lord hates in the book of Proverbs. Um, and uh, let's go ahead and read that. This is Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. All right. Let's discuss this last. A proud look, pride, as President Ezra Taft Benson taught, is the universal sin. People tend to look at one another with an attitude of, I'm better, or I deserve their stuff more than they do, which is covetousness. And that interferes with the qualities that we are intended to develop. Compassion, charity, forgiveness, and sometimes tragically the idea of pride can get people in a position where they do not think that they need to repent all right a lying tongue honesty must be important for jesus who identifies himself not just as someone who likes the truth but who actually is the way the truth and the life now, people lie in an effort to manipulate others. It's a form of disrespect. And that can take the form of hurtful gossip that's designed to make someone be thought less of, or perhaps, and sometimes perhaps even more insidiously, harmful kindness. A lie that tells uh, a person something that uh, they is done in the in the belief that they cannot handle the truth. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you divulge everything. <clears throat> we still should be kind, but we should speak the truth. Well, how do you do that? Well, Jesus had an excellent set of examples throughout his ministry. He had times where he would refuse to answer certain questions or use heavy symbolism to convey an idea that would only be understood with the proper preparation. He counseled, Give not that which is holy to dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So it's not necessarily say everything that's true, but it's don't be dishonest. Let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. All right, hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, no duh. Yeah, don't, don't kill people. No duh. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. This one is, is kind of important. What do you spend your time thinking about? Uh, Jesus taught the light of the body is the eye, meaning where you go, where you look, where your focus is matters. Uh, or uh, 
where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Training oneself to truly focus on the Lord is not easy. But over time, it's that that purifies our hearts. It causes changes within us until the point where we no longer desire to do wrong. All right, feet that be swift in running to mischief. You can contrast this idea with the idea of standing in holy places, as we talked about with Psalms, or contrasting this idea with the concept of be still and know that I am God. There's an attitude of impatience, uh, like a hyperactive child who will not sit still and causes mischief as they run around. Um, when we take time and we're deliberate in our worship, then we're going to places that invite spiritual growth and revelation. Don't be quick to leave such places. A false witness who speaketh lies. This especially points to wrongdoing and condemning our neighbors. Deal justly. Love mercy. We want to be treated fairly, and we want grace when we make mistakes. If we treat others as though we believe that these ideas are important, we will find that God deals with us as though they are important. And finally, he that soweth discord among brethren. This is the attitude of contention that Jesus condemned in the Book of Mormon. Zion, by contrast, had a people with united hearts and desires. People naturally seek excuse to dislike their enemies. It's okay that I dislike or treat this person unkindly because look at what they did. This attitude can creep into even close relationships, even including marriage that starts out from a position of love. And it's heartbreaking when a husband or wife complains about their spouse, feeling justified because they made some mistake. Of course, that's a sword that cuts both ways, and particularly when a person has made a covenant to love the other in all conditions, extra effort really should be made to love them, not to search for occasion to dislike, humiliate, or in any other form abuse them. People will account to God for the discharge of these obligations. All right, let's move on to another section in Proverbs. There's a ton of really good counsel in there, uh, and we're not even going to do a large list of it. We've got a couple of examples. Uh, this is one that is a favorite of mine. Proverbs 17, verses 27 through 28. He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Sometimes the first thing that comes to mind is not good. If you have 
knowledge and understanding, spare your words. Take time to think before speaking. Stop saying things also uh, means that you don't, you're not as likely to say a bunch of stuff that you don't intend, and you're probably spending less time apologizing or repairing relationships later. Instead, put effort into listening and understanding. Additionally, being concise is a gift. There are times when it is appropriate to multiply words, but sound bites are effective, not just in commercials or political campaigns, but memes and just all sorts of, of communication. Almost every aspect of communication improves when it is uh, more terse, when it's concise. Uh, it takes less time to communicate a, a concept. And with observation, a person can see a bigger picture, which is necessary to do when following the counsel of Jesus, to use a person's fruits to know them. You really have to kind of find out what those are. And your effort needs to be put into observation to do that discovery. All right, uh, another very famous pair of verses, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So if God is truly a source of all knowledge, developing the disciplines necessary to receive revelation and guidance from him is the smartest thing we can do. Don't be too eager to say, well, now I know, now I know it all. You probably have more to learn. Seek for ways to acknowledge him. Search for opportunities to be more prayerful so that he can guide your paths. All right, as we move on in our reading, the next section is Ecclesiastes, which is said to have been written by King Solomon. It kind of seems to be a pessimistic outlook and laments how everything is vanity and vexation of spirit. But it's not actually everything. It's everything worldly is vanity and vexation of spirit. And that does include everything for many people's perspectives who just focus on the world. The end result of that is not going to be anything permanent. There's only one thing that lasts, and it's not the endeavors of men. They are vain. Which is why it's important to consider this other advice that uh, is also famous in the third chapter of Ecclesiastes, first eight verses. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, 
a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. So as he explores this list, this is a pretty lengthy list of contrasting ideas. Um, it highlights the importance of opposition. It also highlights that finding the right thing to do, the moral course, uh, it does have to do with the current circumstances that you might be in. That doesn't mean everything is morally relative, but it does mean that in one situation, something that might be otherwise good will not be. Of course, one of my favorite examples was from um, a, a comedy show where a couple of guys were in line for this funeral, and uh, one of them said, I never know what to say at these things. And the other one gives them some advice. Or just say, I'm sorry for your loss and move on. Uh, and, you know, in that way, he wouldn't have to spend a lot of time figuring out what to say. Well, he gets up to the people who have uh, lost a family member and he says, I'm sorry for your loss and move on. <laughs> well, of course, that's not appropriate to say. And, and that's part of what makes it a kind of an entertaining line. Even though it was fine for his friend to tell that to him, it was not okay for him to tell that to the people who were grieving. Uh, things do depend on the context of the situation. And you truly need God's wisdom to understand the appropriate places for any attitudes, passions, and desires that you have. It all needs to fit in the, in the bounds that God sets. All right. Uh, one of my favorite passages in all of the Old Testament are a few verses in the first chapter of Ecclesiastes, verses 9 through 11. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. This is, again, kind of something that on the surface seems pessimistic, like a uh, nothing really matters type sentiment. But it's not. It's not. I mean, in a sense, there is a, a kind of grieving that people tend to repeat the mistakes that were made by past generations. And that's nowhere more apparent than in the pages of the Book of Mormon, where we see that the Nephites who knew about Jesus, who fled from a land that was a city that was destroyed because they wouldn't listen to the Lord. And then they got to a promised land where they discovered the records and bones of a people who were destroyed because they wouldn't listen to the Lord. 
ultimately, in the end, they destroy themselves because they wouldn't listen to the Lord. Super tragic. Super sad. But it also means that the solutions to our problems are probably found in things that have been seen before. We can gain from the lessons that have already been learned. If we study the past, if we study what God has done as he's dealt with people, we can get a better idea of how to handle our situations. No wonder uh, the prophets point to the scriptures so often. Um, it also is important to just kind of, not in a negative sense, but understand that there are some things common between all generations. We can connect with people who have lived decades, centuries, millennia before us, because people in all generations, they still want to be loved and respected. They desire comfort. They get frustrated when things don't seem to be working out for them. And the solution for those things certainly has not changed over time either. It's Jesus Christ. In the end, we can find the right course of action for any given circumstance by following him. Being quick to observe as opposed to say something will unlock in us greater understanding and be mindful of patterns that lead to peril. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will be looking at Isaiah uh, chapters 1 through 12. Of course, there's a mountain of wisdom that we did not even come close to touching in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Please study that individually and with your family. And of course, as always, fight on.